0: Listen I think Saka's great I think Smith Rowe's great and I think that we've got some really talented footballers Martinelli is somebody I can genuinely see being in a conversation for the best in the world
1: When Arsenal knocks on the door of players it's a different knock than other clubs slap slap slap
0: Les différents podcasts de Frappe Arsenal have been through their mile and a half of pipe like Andy Dufresne in the Shawshank Redemption where you have to see the light at the end of the tunnel. El podcast de golpe diferente.
1: But Arsenal are going through their pipe, like I say. We'll be back. The different not Podcast.
0: Maybe we'll have a good surprise for
1: you. Welcome back to the voicemail of Gabrielle Martinelli. You have 15 missed calls from Jurgen Klopp. Podcast, a light-hearted look at Arsenal. With Alexander Moneypenny and my very good friend Bradley Adams, how are you, mate? Not well. Me neither. So this is going to be a... unwell. <laughs> it's going to be ropey. unwell. I'll try and uh, edit out all the little <sighs> like that. <clears throat> so uh, this could be fun for your ears. But uh yeah, well, we're we're both not well. So uh, apologies for that. No, no apologies. I make no apologies for being ill. Uh, uh Arsenal... <laughs> What a way to start. <laughs> Who am I talking to? Uh, Arsenal zero, Liverpool two at the Emirates. Bradley, give me your word of the game. Let's just get into it. Well, we were both going to have the same word of the game. So thinking on my feet
0: to give the the viewers a little a little difference. I think listeners, reality. I said uh, before this game that we could play to the best of our capabilities, which I don't think we were far away from tonight and lose. And and that's exactly what's happened. You know, I think for 60 minutes of that game, we were, we were sensational. We were so, so, so good. And it took, you know, some, it took two mistakes from our right back for both of their goals and some poor goalkeeping for the first one. And it just knocked the stuffing out of us. And, um, it, This, this whole, this, what this reminds me of is after the City defeat where we had obviously all that controversy and they basically needed 12 men on the pitch to beat us. There was an article written about, you know, have Arsenal found the blueprint to play against City and loads of people uh, and like pundits from rival fans went, oh yeah, but you know, Spurs have beat them. And this is before they'd beaten City again, and and so Palace. And it really got me thinking about what's a better indication of where your club is right now. Fluid. Fluid. Um, And it's such a good indication of where we are right now that we are able to go toe-to-toe with these teams. And not even just go toe to toe, you know, we're we we're, we're battling them so much, and at points we were we were dominating Liverpool and outplaying Liverpool with far younger and inferior players, and I will take that over a fluked win against a city or a Liverpool where I've sat on the edge of the box and been lucky that the one counter attack that I've been given all the two counter attacks that I've got have come off, you know, and it's such an indication of where clubs are going because this shows a, a club and a team that are building from strength to strength and are getting better and better. And the other things, you know, Spurs beat city and then lost to Burnley. It's, it, it this is more of an indication of, of where we are going
1: and the quality of what we are currently doing than anything else. I think you're right, Brad, but I wanted you to call for Mikel's head. You're far too, you're far too <laughs> rational these days. Well, that's the, because the, things are better now, Alex. And the audience. We had a comment actually this week from Digi Scott, who, by the way, very dedicated DiffNock fan. He comments on every single YouTube video we put out Love saying, it. all hail the almighty algorithm to try and help us with the algorithm. Unbelievable. And his comment this week oh. was, I've seen body snatchers. They put somebody in a pod and an alternative copy comes out. What have they done with the real Bradley, the M.A. hater? <laughs> so inspired by that, Brad, before I, um, before I give you my, my thoughts on that, I just wanted to open the podcast with a little, little ditty, <clears throat> which I've written. Um, <laughs> do, do you know the song, I Love Kanye by Kanye West? Yes, <clears throat> I miss the old Bradley Mikel please go Bradley The sulky bro Bradley Angry like whoa Bradley I hate the new Bradley Thinking it through Bradley Two things are true Bradley This just won't do Bradley I miss the rash Bradley He's gonna smash Bradley I gotta say At that time I used to trash Bradley See Brad invented diff knock It wasn't any diff knock And now we look and look around And there's so many diff knocks I used to love Bradley I used to love Bradley I even had bad opinions I thought I was Bradley What if <laughs> Diffknock made a song about Diffknock. Columnist, Mr. old Diffknock. Man, that'll be so Diffknock. That's all it is, Bradley. I still love Bradley and I love you like Diffknock loves Bradley. How long did that take you? Not long. <laughs> Talent. Talent. I was on the way home and it just came to me, Bradley, while I was walking to the bus. My word of the game, Brad, is progress. I, I look at that that performance, and do you know what? My word of the game was going to be proud, um, but that kind of changed over the game. Not because I'm not proud of them, and I, I am very proud of them. Um, <laughs> said the fifty year old dad. Um, I am very proud of the, the lads, um, but it's mainly the progress, mate. Because I, you know, I look at the yardsticks of where we are. Th- this this game is an assessment. This game is a it's a big exam. It's the thing you cram for. It's the it's the big it's your final paper you know it is it is the one Um, I would say Liverpool are the form team in the league right now apart from us um, and probably you know are the best perhaps the best team in Europe right now Uh, you know if we look at that (laughs) when they have Mohamed Salah and Roberto Firmino on the bench that's when you know that this is a this is a this is a proper test and uh, before the game they showed the 4-0 in November and I remember that game and I think you're completely right you know The way we've approached games before against this Liverpool side has been essentially, you know, sometimes enforced by uh, red card situations. Um, We've essentially camped it out. We've tried to control the game, tried to limit their attacks as much as possible, sat in two banks of five. We both sat here on this podcast, uh, potentially on the maybe last podcast or the preview podcast, and said, I want to sit in two banks of five, (laughs) hit them on the counter, play fucking three in the midfield, you know, like, whatever. And credit to this team, they did not do that. And I think you're absolutely right that for two-thirds of this game, I would say, we controlled it. We looked the better side. Something also that you said on the recent podcast uh, is we haven't mentioned the basics of football recently. But tonight was about, the to me, the basics of football. We won the second jewels. We didn't allow Liverpool to suffocate us in the way they have before. Mm. We... Um, we we pushed them up high. We won the ball high up the pitch. We won our aerial duels. We won the interceptions. We got in there early. We, we stepped out sooner than we normally had. Arteta wasn't constantly doing that thing where he pushes the team up the pitch all the time. We looked ready to fight and that is progress. Mm-hmm. That is a big thing. The Absolutely. difference tonight, the only difference, is a mature forward line. I know that with... A 26 year old striker, whoever that may be, say we got Vlahovic and in, in in January, and we were you know five years in the future. Saka's 25, Martial is 24, wh- or whatever the ages they would be in five years' time. I think would be two, three up by the time uh, Liverpool get their goal. I think it's a quality I... centre forward. I, as in,
0: is in, there were so many. There were a couple of moments where, uh, listen, Lacazette is doing what he's doing very well, but we all know what he's limited at. And if we had somebody who could have just been in those positions and zones that you would expect a center forward to be in, in certain moments like where, where Gabby, I think he nutmegs Henderson and then squares it in. And, you know, if, if, if there was just, if the center forward was there, it's, it's a goal, you know, if, if, we had somebody who who was able to sniff out those chances and be in those zones and those positions then we would have been 2-3 nil up tonight we don't the exciting thing is we don't need to age 5 years to compete with liverpool right now we need two signings we need our first choice right back back and we need a striker that's all and that's that's the exciting thing and i don't want to dampen the progress of tonight almost by saying that we need to be five years in the future. We really don't. If we had a striker tonight, we would have been one or two nil up going into halftime. There were so many chances or opportunities for chances created that just couldn't be taken because there was literally no one there. Lacazette's still on the edge of the box. And Again, we all know where we need to strengthen. This game just highlights that. And one thing that we have to remember is Arsene Wenger basically made his career in in the end kind of times by beating every team but the top ones and getting top four. This game doesn't decide our season, but it's fascinating to see that we are literally one or two signings away from having a f- complete first eleven that can compete with and possibly beat Liverpool.
1: I, I, I agree, mate. I, I, I do agree. Uh, and and having a look at the stats now, um, you know, we we were 49% of their 51 on possession. We had the same amount of shots as them, similar amount of shots on target. You know, the the, the stats are heading in the right direction in terms of being competitive with this team. Um I say the thing, yeah, I I, I agree with you. I think both things are true. You know, and um, I think whether we're five years in the future or we get a couple of signings, the point is we're not so far away. That is the, the, oh, yeah. the thing that that combines those two those two things, and I, I it's really really encouraging that the thing that I feel now is it's the individuals that need the upgrading rather than this complete kind of systemic overhaul. Overhaul the system that that Mikel Arteta has built. The rotations, the, uh, where the defensive line sits up and pulls back from, the dropping in of the centre forward, how the the wide players operate in terms of always being available, hugging, hugging the touchline, being available for the switch, the way God operates, all of these things that we could go on and on and on, on about are setting us up to be a very, very competitive team and in a different situation, even tonight, uh, yeah, I think you're right, you know, I, I think with maybe one or two signings we could have won. But going forward it only uh, only bodes well. And you know, so that's that's why I feel really the main word from tonight is progress. Of course it's frustrating. You know, no one likes to lose. <laughs> it's not fun to lose. But I think if you're I'll an Arsenal fan and you're watching Yeah, if you're exactly if you're an Arsenal fan and you're watching tonight and you can't see the progress, I can't help you. Do you know what I mean? I really can't. Yeah.
0: No, no, no. I, I agree with you. And the thing is that I think the most frustrating thing about it is, uh, listen, w- w- again, it's really it's really fascinating to note the changes in types of conversations, because previously we would be saying that it's, you know, we we've, we've lost games last season because of lapses in concentration by certain players or whatever, but it is, you know, if Tommy Asu plays tonight over Cedric, he doesn't go sprinting. After a ball for no reason for their second, and doesn't get dragged out for their first. So, it, it's really kind of fascinating to see those things happen in in a in a kind of more granular context about big games because we we've, we've said those things about games against Everton, games against uh, like so many shit teams last season whereas now it just seems to be and it's like I said um, about Leicester that good teams will punish those moments that Cedric has had and we've seen that tonight that is exactly what happened both of the goals came down those sides and from silly decisions from him like you say it's, it's no longer a question of not knowing the road you know, I look at what's going on at Man United, and the golfing class between City and Liverpool and Arsenal is much smaller than the golfing class between Arsenal and Man United right now. I agree. Man United have no idea what they're doing. You know, they've got lots of players on ridiculous wages that they need to shift, that they're not going to know how to shift. They're going to have to go through two or three years of pain waiting for contracts to end or cancelling contracts like we've had to do. And then they've got to buy into a manager's process and start all over again. And you look at this tonight, it's no longer that for Arsenal. We know what we're doing. It is just a question of... um, it's personnel now it's whereas it could have been system or or whatever it is so 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 clear that with just two changes we go from being a side that's top four standard to being a side that with the right rotation options could challenge for trophies for titles Mm. because we're we're going toe to toe with the two best teams in the country and Nearly beating City and them having to basically pay off a ref, allegedly, or whatever. That's not true. I'm just <laughs> pissed, still pissed off about that performance. Um, I thought I'd thought i give you a little bit of a rationality there, you asked for it. Um, and then, you know, have two stupid mistakes in 20 minutes to lose this game. That is unbelievable. It's been years since, uh, since I've been able to look at my team and go, the only reason we're losing games is because of one player in a starting eleven, mm-hmm. and we're so close to being a team that can seriously do something,
1: and that's amazing. That's so amazing. Yep, and that plays out on the pitch. You know, the moment tonight where Martinelli slides Lacazette through someone who's not on the heels there, a striker who's just at that three percent more alert. Who knows what happens there? Um, you know, the moment where the the uh, Lacazette latches onto the pass back from I think it was Thiago. Another striker might be able yeah. to do something there. These are, these are tiny moments in the game. And I think you're right to pick out what is the conversations that Arsenal fans are having up and down the country in pubs and in car rides home and on the bus home tonight. What are, the, what are the difference in conversation? The conversations we're having are not no longer about we don't create any chances. The conversations we're having are no longer about how our defensive structure is poor or we can't progress the ball or we can't find ways to... Um, I don't know. You, you know we're, we're making consistently making you know losing the ball in midfield or whatever there's a, there's a kind of systemic issues the issues are individual now they're based on individual player quality and we know exactly who those players are everyone knows Cedric Lacazette like Xhaka. boom done three players tonight if you change those around and improve the 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 squad all around i think you're right we are definitely close uh closer to to looking like we're going to challenge and that is credit i think a big credit to um The board for sticking with this this situation. Obviously, credit to the manager, and and we should talk about that, but credit to the board for sticking with it because this is something that Manchester United have too big an ego to do. What I watch, I see both the. And I think what what kind of goes on off off the pitch always translates on the pitch. And you see egos happening on that Manchester United pitch, no one wanting to take responsibility because they're all too big for the club. We've swallowed our prize, swallowed our ego, we've gone through pain. And we're now back with a under a a single and united <laughs> vision, and that is 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 wonderful to see because we could have gone a completely different way. And let's not forget this time last season there were protests outside the Emirates against the Cronkies. Do you know what I mean? So, and it shows not only the how quickly the conversations have changed, but how quickly the feeling was that around that Super I League times. I yeah, I appreciate that was around Super League, but you can't tell me that wasn't com- also fueled by. Sort of you know eighth place finishes and stuff, so you know things are things have changed very quickly.
0: Absolutely, absolutely, but I don't think the I don't I still don't think anyone will be enamoured by the Cronkies, But yeah, yeah, let's just move on because I think we no, can go on. a whole road say with let's that. get rid of them. <laughs> no, no, no. As in, like I, I just think that that I don't know whether I agree that that was fueled by eighth place finishes. That was definitely. Ninety percent the Super League, more than anything,
1: because you well, know there Chelsea. Weren't, there weren't there weren't protests outside the Man City stadium. Put it that way. Do you know what I mean? Maybe they don't because, have any maybe fans. Have about six protest. fans. <laughs> no, but as in, as in, mm. as in, as in I, I don't think you can ignore the state, the slide of the club under the Cronkies as a factor in those protests. I'm not saying it was the main factor. I'm just saying that the conversation around the Cronkies has massively changed. And that's partly due to them sticking. Yeah. It's not to say what they did was right, and not to say that they shouldn't. There shouldn't have been protests. Quite the opposite. But I think it's interesting to note that that is what was happening this time last year. So it's a big change. Um, let's get a bit more granular, as you say. Love that word. Uh, do you? <laughs> I've got a couple of sort of stupid observations, but I mean it's kind of my my vibe, isn't it? Um, have you noticed that Arteta cuts off every interviewer? Every question that every interviewer asks him, they've got about three words to say. It'll be like, you know, so what are you hoping to get out of the game tonight? And by like out of the get, he's already answering. Which <laughs> I don't know. It, it kind of annoys me. I I don't, I, I feel like maybe you know. I, I I was actually talking about this pregame with my friend, um, and our, our friend of the show, Andy Sellers. Um, Arteta has this aura about him. That I think will be once sort of Guardiola moves on, and you know, potentially seeing how things go at Arsenal over the next couple of seasons, I think will be kind of lauded and praised as a kind of, oh, he, you know, he really commands respect, and you know, you can tell he's single-minded. Which, when results aren't going your way, kind of gets presented as dictatorship and as sort of you know, big for your boots and all sort of stuff. And I think you know, results kind of dictate that. But he has the, you know, he he's he's done something to back it up. I do think as a ambassador for the club he's been exactly what we need an Mm -hmm. intense culture led figure who is not who is going to accept nothing except the high standards for everyone I love the conversations he has around um, uh, the club in terms of you know we're nowhere near what we want to be we've still got a long way to go big fan of that I just hope that over the next couple of years, we can see a slightly softer Arteta, someone who's able to sort of perhaps see the humour in moments, someone who's able to be a bit more, um, show a bit more of his lighter side to the media, because I always feel he's a bit a bit on the defence. I always feel that with him. Um, yeah, what's your take on that? If I'm honest, if if he does his job well, I don't really care. <laughs> Do
0: you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's one but of those things for where... The club. Um. I think we've definitely been spoilt with Wenger because he was very much both in a lot of senses. You know, I remember him in press conferences sat next to Arteta saying about who, well, who's won the FA Cup more and saying that he's been here for 14 years and deserves better than false information. But then, you know, I remember, and it's part of but he's our. He's earned that. Do you intro? not think he'd earned that right? Well, you know I mean? maybe I've had a good surprise for you. Um, <laughs> yes. That's brilliant. But I I Do it again. I don't th- fuck off. <laughs> I don't think it matters. I as in I look at it depends it de- whatever gets the job done and gets the players behind him uh, is is fine with me. You know, I as long as he doesn't turn into what I think Klopp has turned into a little over the last kind of 12 to 18 months which is somebody that very much loves a bitch and a moan and, and complete like it happened during the game today. Uh, I can't remember what challenge it was. Um, And Klopp is incensed by this challenge and goes over and complains to the fourth official. And the fourth official points to his earpiece and goes, I've asked them to check. He won the ball. And then Klopp continues to berate this man. And that's where I. That's where I don't want it to go. I would never want it to cross that line.
1: Yeah. No, then I, I, you're just I do. Agree being an arsehole. I do agree, and with I think that, I that think there
0: I... have been points where Klopp has crossed the line. But as long as, but the reason that it that won't matter to Liverpool fans is because he's successful. So it's it's the same as yeah. long as
1: he does his job. I think you're right to bring up Arsene. I, I, I think with the specific thing you mentioned, I think he he'd kind of earned that at that point. And also, I think he'd just gone out to like Blackburn or something in the cup, so I think he was just in a lot of stress. But I, I do, I do think, I do, I, I maybe it's because I've grown up on Arsene Wenger and I kind of expect this sort of mature, very dignified approach to that sort of stuff. I just. Whenever I watch Arteta, I want to like him. I really want to like him. And I love the job he's doing, but I don't warm to him as a person. Do you know what I mean? I feel like if he was in my house, I'd be a bit like mm. on edge. Do you know what I mean? It's just a bit like, oh. Um, but that's not his job. It's literally not his job to make me feel comfortable. I'm just, I I, I guess I'm interested to see how he develops in that, in that sense. Um, something, a stat that came up before the game, which I loved, uh, was the win percentage of 83% with Xhaka Erdegaard and party this season, which I think is incredible and should be, should be lauded. Obviously will have gone down this evening. Also what came out was uh, Erdegaard with 40 chances created since November the 27th in the Premier League, which is one less than Trent and more than Bruno, Kevin De Bruyne and James Ward-Prowse, um, which tells you where, what, what, what sort of class he's operating it tells in, you everything you need to know moment. about him. Mate. Yep. He's sensational. Yep, yep, yep. yep. Uh, Yes, we lost the first few duels. It was a bit of a nervy start. We were sort of in our box the first two or three minutes. Uh, (laughs) You could feel the Emirates willing people on. There were sort of fans clapping throw-ins, et cetera, et cetera. Um... But then I thought we got into a bit of a rhythm. We looked really compact. Uh, we looked man for man at times, actually. Saka was tracking Tiago inside really nicely. Erdogan was pressing nicely. It was really encouraging signs. There were some lovely balls uh, from White and Ramsdale out to our wingers. And I felt that, that was a, something that was, was definitely a tactic throughout the game was creating overloads on one side and switching to the other side. I think some people do that better than others, uh, Partey specifically. I also, there was a moment where, interestingly, towards the end of the game, we'd create an an overload on the right. and I I can't remember who it was, but someone switched over to the left and it was beyond Martinelli. But actually, it, it cut to Arteta straight after and he was berating Gabby, which is interesting because it shows he wanted him a different position it's actually not about the pass he knows where he wants his players in those positions which i think it's so it just shows it's been coached do you know what i mean it's not a it's something where he he wants his players right on the wing rather than cutting inside which um so you know clearly it was a tactic and i thought you know it could have worked and that probably brings us on to discussing um probably our man of the match uh Jurgen Klopp's biggest uh, biggest boy his favorite favorite player on the pitch probably apart from maybe Mo Salah uh Gabriel Martinelli. I'd probably um, say the man of the match. I wouldn't give it to,
0: I'd like I, I definitely yeah. wouldn't have given it to Matip.
1: It's difficult to was... give it to someone on the losing side, isn't it? But um I mean Jurgen Klopp obviously I'm I'm sure that we're recording after the game, so I'm sure there's been another comment from Klopp about how much he loves him. Uh yeah. but yeah, I mean unbelievable performance from Martinelli tonight. Um Absolutely spun Trent so many times, even to the point where Van Dijk was shouting at him at one point. Did you see that um, he did so well, and I think what we were saying earlier about a kind of poacher on the end of stuff. Um, there was a moment where he he spun Trent, stuck it through Henderson's legs, and came in. And if there was a if there was a proper number nine sort of near post, Bobby Firmino esque at the other end, um, he might have got something. But yeah, w- what do you make of Martel tonight,
0: mate? Um... He is he isn't right now, but he is the best player at our club in the sense of he. Wow, is the one player I said I wanted he is rash the one takes. player. <laughs> he is the one player that I really think. Uh, listen, I think Saka's great. I think Smith Rowe's great, and I think that we've got some really talented footballers. Martinelli is somebody I can genuinely see you being in a conversation for the best in the world. In Wow. in eight in eight years time I can imagine him in the conversation if he progresses the way it looks like he is and he has I don't see that for Saka I don't see that for um for Erdegaard. I don't see that for anyone
1: else in our team I can see that boy up wow there. okay uh, game by numbers tonight 100% successful take ons, 100% of his tackles won, uh, 59 total touches, which is quite a lot for a winger. Uh, four ground drills won, three attempted dribbles, three successful dribbles, three ball recoveries, three long passes, and a chance created. I think actually there was a point uh, in the game where they were talking about Salah and they were saying, you know, how much he wants to be involved in every game, every training session, all that sort of stuff. I think, and, and you know, Salah's 29 at the peak of his powers and Martinelli's kind of just starting out. But you see that intensity in Martinelli, you really do. Um, you know the way he tracks back mm-hmm. to win the ball. There was an unbelievable moment where he's, he was surrounded by like three Liverpool players, and it's just like sheer willpower that he just will not lose the ball. Do you know what I mean he? He's just like I yeah. refuse, and he's he's got the ability to back it up. Do you remember when we watched the Wimbledon game, and we were really frustrated because yes, right, right. yes, he yeah, was on the right hand side. Yes, yeah, and we yeah. were we were frustrated at his runs. Because um, he wasn't, he just wasn't doing the outside to win stuff that we we like we were now used to. I guess with our eyes on that side for Saka, um, I think he looks so so at home on the left. Um, he's really found a position now, uh, and he's contributing so much. And, and to keep our top scorer, our new number ten, our darling out of the team uh, shows you what he's doing. And I just I, I just see it's even in that kind of hunched over sort of dogged posture he's got. He's just like, I want to like, you can just imagine he sleeps with like football, like football posters all over his wall and has like a football bed sheet and like football pillowcases. Do you know what I mean? Like he is that sort of character and it shows. Yeah. And, you know, considering the age he is, it's so exciting. And the performance tonight absolutely. Was, was absolutely. Amazing. And I think you're right
0: in that he's found his position. I think the best thing to do for his growth is to, not put him down the middle yet. I think allow him to grow on that left-hand side. And then when he fills out physically, maybe start to transition him then much like, much like Cristiano Ronaldo did, spent so much of his career out on the left-hand side. And then in latter years turned into an elite center forward. I really, really can see that boy like being one of the best in the world. He there is something about him that i think he could genuinely beat any any defender as in if i if i had to bet well, you keep trying. on a one, yeah. <laughs> on a yeah no but on a 1v1 if i had to if if he's up against anyone i would probably bet on martinelli six or seven times out of 10 at the moment he's electric they uh, people just can't stop him He's honestly, the one, the one thing he maybe needs to tighten up on is his finishing because there's a f- like, and I, I don't know if, whether that's recency bias because that chance at the end was so good that you just want it squeezed in that, hmm. in that right hand post. But I I really see that big things for this boy.
1: I personally feel like that chance at the end is one of those where give him three, four years, do you know what I mean? and he'll, he'll slot those away every time, you know. We've, we we forget how young these guys are. We really do because they play yeah, every I week. Yeah, I mean, how old is Martinelli? I think he's 20. That could be wrong. Because I think he's slightly younger. I think smith Rose, pre- Yeah, he's 20. He's 21 in the summer. And he's 20 until he turns 21. That's how it works. Um, but... <laughs> <laughs> if you don't know that reference, you don't know it. That's fine. If you do, there you go. Um, peak but Arsenal yeah. Twitter. Peak Arsenal Twitter. Um... Just put in he's twenty eight until he's twenty nine on Twitter search and you'll find it. Um, yeah, I I really I mean that's a big call from you. Let's say that big call and you've never got a player assessment wrong before, so that's yeah, fine. Uh, <laughs> what player assessments have, have I got bread. wrong? Aaron Ramsdale, probably Ramsdale. We both got we both, yeah, got, we both got that wrong. So we've, uh, we yeah, both got that wrong. I mean, we both said. Half the English-speaking world, mate. Got that wrong. Don't worry. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Something, uh, just a really quick thing I want to point out about Erdegaard that I noticed. um, He times his runs. It wasn't his best game tonight, but something he does so well. He times his runs so beautifully. They were were showing it in the pre-match analysis and then I watched it for it in the game. He's so good at that thing where someone's running in on either flank and he doesn't just barrel on in and basically wait for the ball to come in he gives he gives it enough time and slowly sort of makes his way into the box box so he's always there for the cutback or he's quick enough to get there um to be there for the for the tap-in or whatever um and he did it a couple of times i think he's done it against everton he did it against uh united i think he did it against oh, he did it against city no I'm doing it doing it city, sorry um but he's done it a few times this season and i watched it he'll score a lot of goals doing that it's it's not quite Ramsey-esque, but it's 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 some it's shades it's shades. Um, big fan of Van Dyke backing off Saka. Big fan. Um, nice to see us trying to get high up the pitch with the Ramsdale kicks. I felt we were a little bit predictable on that, um, but but good to see us trying that at least. Um, it felt like we were always trying to go long to either one of Martinez Saka, which becomes a little bit predictable. But at the moment, when you don't have the height in the forward line. It's one of those things. Uh, I don't want to set you off, and I'm gonna. I might even set a timer for thirty seconds for you to talk okay, about this. Okay. Sadio Mane surely should have about three red cards against Arsenal in his career thus far. He gets away with fucking murder. Murder. I. Know, I... I re I really don't understand it. It's He could have had a
0: yellow about six times, genuinely. There was there were there were two two dives that were that were waved away, so should have received the yellow card for at least one of them. And then the foul on Ben White is the, like it it's one of those like stonewall yellow cards where I like I tweeted this out earlier. One of my I well, I fucking hate this about football is when people commit the most obvious foul ever and then complain if they get called for a foul or get carded. It's the most, was one of the most obvious yellow card decisions I've ever seen. He just kicks Ben White in the leg, it just kicks him over. I, and I, I, listen, I don't think we lost the game because of poor refereeing, but it does have to be, be said that Andre Mariner was fucking woeful tonight. There were so many, there were about three or four early in the game where we won the ball high up the pitch and gave fouls for them. And I I, I just, I, I do despair at the level in the game and it's getting to a point where I just, I'm bored of it affecting the narrative. I'm here to watch football. I'm not here to watch the same six white bald men ruin games.
1: Um, my favourite thing during the week is about two days before the game, uh, Tiki Taka Connor usually tweets out who the referee's going to be. And it doesn't matter who it is. It doesn't. Everyone just no. slates him. <laughs> just oh, not They're him all again. They're like, Who who do you want? There is no one you want because it needs the whole thing needs ripping up and starting again. So you know, I I feel like it's one of those things. It's like it's almost like systemic issues that are, are, everyone knows about that kind of get people get bored of talking about almost that, that then go almost go unnoticed. It is one of those things that should be talked about, but it just gets boring to be honest. So anyway. Um, I enjoyed the part where Cedric thought he was going to score from 25 yards. Lifetime bans to anyone (laughs) in the stadium,
0: to anyone in the stadium that says shoot from now on genuine have, have, I want stewards at every entrance (laughs) and anyone that is spotted take their season ticket off them, take little scissors out and snip it up, ban them I I don't, I don't, I I don't understand the mentality as in I, I, I struggle to understand like the cogs turning and the thought process behind 45 year old Keith seeing Cedric Suarez, who is barely a passable footballer at moments anyway, and thinking it's a a good, it's it's a good idea to, to egg this guy on, to shoot from 45 yards. On his wrong foot. As in... (laughs) I, I, I actually, I don't understand the thought process. I don't, like, we all know that these guys can't do it. So why the fuck does everyone just keep saying it?
1: I, I, when I was a kid, I had a pipe dream, right? I thought I'm going to be prime minister one day. And I was really annoyed at people who would walk slowly. It just really annoyed me. And what I thought is you could install the water cannons in every street and it and it could detect people walking below us, and obviously you know like if you can't walk quicker, then that's you know it would be able to detect that as well. It's magic, uh, but people just in purposely walking. How slowly, old were you, Alex? Probably like seven, and I would thought I thought about it, and I thought it would you get water sprayed with it, so you knew you were walking too slowly. Perhaps we can install that in the Emirates. It's and also I, I would be more specific, and I would say it's for Parte, Jacques, Cedric, maybe even like Lacazette. Lacazette. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: Lacazette can't call from six, score from six yards out. How the fuck does he think he's scoring from thirty-five yards out? And it's it's just stupid because it allows for ridiculous chances. Like the Mané chance at the end of the half comes from Lacazette deciding with three players in front of him to shoot from thirty-five yards. Like it, it's and I like genuinely. I we say this as a joke. We should instill instil a fining system in the club. That every every long shot that you take that doesn't go in, and that the crowd have egged you on to do, that is a day's wages fined and given to charity. Players will stop doing it because it's 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 so stupid and ruins so many opportunities. And these guys are at like the upper echelons of sport. How are they still making these shitty decisions? I
1: couldn't tell you the last one that went in. I couldn't tell you the last one that went in. Um. Yes, I agree. Uh, on Cedric though, I thought, look, he was at fault for the goals. Let's put it that way. He was at fault for the goals. As much as the, I think the second yes. one was just a good finish. But but also he was a little bit at fault for both of them. Um, but nice in tight spaces this evening. Won the ball back quite a few times. Had a nice tackle on Jota at one point. A- as a deputy, especially over the last, you know, the winning streak that we've just had. I'm not saying he's the long term solution. I'm just pointing out that Cedric. Do you know what? Do you know what I'll say? When his name is on the Arsenal team sheet, I don't roll my eyes anymore. I do think it's a weakness, but it's the same he's level of weakness until- as like Lacquer. Do you know what I mean? I disagree. Disagree.
0: Lacquer at least offers more, even though it's not 100% of what we need. I don't think. Cedric is fine until the end of the season, but an obvious backup upgrade is needed because basic things like leaving Jota it just isn't acceptable when you want to be reaching the like the upper upper echelons of any sport. You know that's that's that is basic. The basics of football sticking to the man who is go- like sniffing out the danger and, and sticking to the one man that is on that inside channel rather than going out to somebody whose main option is going to be whipping the ball in the box anyway. Um, and then also to not, to just go sprinting off a hundred miles an hour when we're so entrenched in our own box that we, we can't get the ball out and then we, we we concede another opportunity So I think that it's fine till the end of the season and he's fine against lower level league opposition, but we are no longer a team that can accept people that are only fine against lower league level opposition. At least Lacazette is effective at what he does against higher in the league opposition. Cedric is a liability in those moments. And against higher quality left wingers will be punished again and again and again. It'll happen against City. It could happen against Chelsea. It could happen against Tottenham with with Son on that left hand side. You know, I, I if if we are to progress and especially with definitely now Europa League football on the cards, let alone possible Champions League football on the cards, we can't afford to have those kind of liabilities anymore.
1: I agree. He will let you down in high leverage situations. I just think when we have the ball, he's less of a liability than people think. In my opinion. But, oh, you
0: know. I, no, I, agree. I I agree. I, I don't think he's that bad on the ball. He's not horrendous. But it, the thing is, as well, is he's not good enough to justify those liabilities. Trent got absolutely fucking rinsed about seven or eight times tonight. But the thing is, is Trent is so f- bloody good. Going forward, that it you 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 make that adjustment, you accept that drop off.
1: Cedric you, doesn't have that. You know, a quarter of Trent's assists this season have come against us. <laughs> Did he even get an assist tonight? No, but he's had sixteen assists this season, four <laughs> against us. Uh, what was nice uh, was they weren't pressing us that high. And they, find it, they were finding it a lot harder to get through us without going long than normal. That was nice sort of structurally. Um, Xhaka had a shot after some good work from Lacazette. Uh, it was a nice run from Erdegaard, who was trying to follow it in. Um, sort of talking about what I was talking about earlier, but wasn't really coming. I thought we were working to get back well. We were winning the second balls, uh, which is normally how Liverpool get you. Oh. But then, uh, oh no, this is, this is still before half-time. And there was a ball from Trent over the top to Mane that I thought, but we we got away with it. And then there was the offside goal at the beginning of the second, which which again was a kind of warning shot. Um, before we talk about the goals, there was the moment from Lacazette who latched onto the loose pass. Uh, it's a great save from Allison. to be fair. I Yeah. I think it was harder than it looked as a chance. Looking back on it, there was like two oh, players yeah. on the line. Two players on the line. Like, Allison I don't think it was a in. should score. Not- yeah, but... um. But it's frustrating. Just one more thing before we uh, talk about the... Actually, two more things before we talk about the goals. I'm not concerned about Gabriel because I think he has a lot of qualities. And uh, tonight he was uh, just booting it long less than he normally does, which was nice. Uh, Trying to bring it down and, and control it. He does need to iron out in his game, in my opinion, this thing where he... It's sort of the Xhaka thing where he plays it behind people too much. And especially because Xhaka's on that left-hand side, we have two people who consistently under underpower the ball, and it it does slow us down quite a lot. Especially when Tini and, and Martinelli are quite quick on that side and quite and can get us through that 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 phase quite quickly. I think it sort of blunts our attacking sword in that situation because uh, he often plays it behind people, and I just hope that's something that's going to develop. Um, only other thing before we talk about the goals. Did you see what Liverpool were doing at half time? No. They <laughs> for some reason they showed they showed a clip of like Curtis Jones and whatever like warming up. And honestly, it was like Rabona no look pass to someone and then someone would do like a rainbow flick, couple of keepy ups pass to the next person. The next person would like do a little like, it was like FIFA street. It was so strange. It was like, they were all like showing off, like not warming up. It was so weird. I don't know if anyone noticed that. I just found it really funny. Um, the goals. Uh, Cedric, first one, Cedric leaves Jota. Um, it's a good through pass, I think from um, Yeah, you sh- And you shouldn't be beating it in near post i think ramsdale will be pretty annoyed about that his weight's in the wrong
0: place he's he's what he's done is he's positioned himself in a decent enough position to try and save both at near post shot and if he tries to go across but what he needs Hmm. to do in that moment is just Trust that the covering center backs block off that option because he yeah. leaves his weight too far left so he can't get down and he gets a hand on it, but he's just not set there quick enough down in that position to keep to get a strong enough hand on it. So it's listen, yeah. we've been saying for a while that a Ramsdale mistake is coming. One thing to say. It's good it's come in a game where we could lose even if he hadn't made a mistake we didn't lose this game tonight because of Aaron Ramsdale in my opinion he no, made a no. mistake that definitely cost us a goal but the the only reason the chance is there is because Cedric has left the man wide open at the box so I'm not I, I'm happy it happened in this game rather than a game that could truly cost us and like I said on the preview pod, Winning against Leicester earned us the right to lose this game.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and two things. I think firstly is Ramsdale, similarly to a lot of players now, doesn't feel like he has the Mustafi thing of he's just going to do it again. It feels like he's the sort of person who would go away and go, I can't be beating the money at post like that. What do I need to do? And, and would work on that in training. And secondly, he's 23. Again, and and I don't want to use the youth thing as an excuse consistently, but it it is also a fact that he is probably maybe even eight nine years away from a peak as a goalkeeper. Do you know what I mean? So so there are things that in his game that are going to be, uh, and also even keepers in their peaks make mistakes. You know, and he's and he's been amazing for us this season. So I don't I don't want to pile in too hard on him. Uh, second goal for them. Um, again, I just felt the thing. You know, basically I said at the beginning of the podcast, it's just very mature forward line, great movement from Firmino, uh, weak clearances from us. But again, it's like that ball drops very favourably for Robertson and it's a great bit of movement. That's a great finish from Firmino and, and, and that's what they can do. You know, I, and I, I wasn't that annoyed particularly. I was just like, well, that's just what they do. And yeah, um, i I was just frustrated because it, it was just
0: gifts, you know, uh, and it's good that we're now only making errors against top top teams because they almost for- they almost force you into errors at times. But um, yeah, uh, that's that's one thing that hopefully we we get rid of next season. I, I don't want to see many more goals going in from from stupid errors like leaving a man open in the box or sprinting to the fucking halfway line when you don't even know if the ball's being cleared yet.
1: Yep. I uh, like the subs as well. Um, straight after that, I had to recognise what was going on, and I like that he just got them off. Um, interesting who he took well, off. We knew the
0: game. I think we also we just knew the game was lost,
1: so yeah. we just rest the play the big players for Saturday. Yeah, and I'm and they're, completely fine with that. And they were they were the right players to do that. Uh, also interesting. I I I felt that we were controlling the game towards the end. There was nice combinations here and there from Smith and Pepe. Um, and yeah, there's the Gabby miss at the end, which 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 could have been a nice consolation. And I, I think again, it's kind of symbolic of the game in that perhaps in a couple of years, Gabby finishes that off. So you know, it's 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 just a case of maturing as a team and growing. And um, nothing to me, it's n- no cause for concern. It's just that that big exam that we're yeah. we're currently at GCSE level and we're trying to take an A level exam, and we just need to mature a little bit. And that's absolutely tonight
0: fine. is is what I would call almost an ironic positive. Like, this is such a positive game, but with such a negative result. So, yeah. Yeah. we just have to make sure that, as a fan base, we focus on those positives.
1: Definitely. A uh, little word of the game battle update, which we didn't have last time. Imperius loses to love. Come on!
0: Lo- I thought that's such a weak decision, Octoguna. Love, o- you sappy
1: git. And you know what Octoguna said? He said, I love you guys. What? BA5 you too, AM... Mate we love you too mate BA5 AM4 I'm coming back mate you I'm are mate back. I
0: was leading like 4-1
1: at one point just let it slip Istanbul here we go uh, have you got anything rash to take us into these reviews any big any big rash um, statements some
0: of some of Liverpool's players aren't as good no. as everyone says they are it's the system that carries a lot of that team we'll see you <laughs> after this
1: News, and news. Uh, Welcome back to News and Views, that was so stupid, where we give you all the news and all your views, but mostly ours. Just a quick <laughs> reminder that if you do enjoy these podcasts, please subscribe, turn on your notifications, leave us a review. Hey, if you're on Spotify right now, open your phone, there'll be a little thing that says, I think we've got like 30, 30 reviews, 4.8, which means some people have not given us five stars, which, you know, it's fine, it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Um... And give us a review. Or if you're an we Apple... We will find you. Do that. Give us a review, please. It really helps us out. Let's other people know that we are your favourite Arsenal podcast and the best I've I've heard. Uh, please support us on Patreon as well where you get access to ad-free versions of the main podcast and the preview podcast. Bradley is the hardest working man in podcasting this week. Let me tell you that. For just £3 Fuck a me. month. And for one-time support, head to buymeacoffee.com where you can... Buy me a coffee. I'll have done six episodes in six days. <laughs> Anything you can give, monthly or one-off, helps Bradley not cry himself to sleep. Fund fund the caffeine
0: that's got me through all the editing. Uh, uh,
1: Only real news. Martinelli received his first call up to the Brazil squad. And based on this evening, I mean, it's great. What I loved was the little graphic that was Martinelli, Vinicius, and I think it was Rodrigo. So nice to see him in that little category. It's like, yeah, baby. So good. So good. So good. I am so happy. I am so happy. Uh, we have an email from Chluid. Although my friend Alex, who is has Welsh connections, says it could be Chloid. But at the end of it, Cluid Chloid says, P.S. What excellent pronunciation of Chluid Chloid. So maybe Kluid was right, or maybe Kluid is right, or maybe he's being sarcastic, or maybe both. Who knows? Kluid Cloyd said, Re-Manager of the Year candidates, you can't ignore the fact that it is often the same manager that's put a team up shits Creek in the first place. For example, Deitch. He can't be praised for cleaning up his own mess. Arteta's achievement is managing management or coaching at its purest. We are biased, though. It will go probably correctly to the manager of the champions, but watch out for the too cool loving to pick up momentum such difficult circumstances oh diddums <laughs> if you want to air your views on uh news of views, email the different knock at gmail.com what do you think of that brad
0: um i i, I don't know whether i disagree with daish i think you've got to look at the fact that they literally have spent ridiculously low amounts of money so the fact that he's kept a club with that kind of shitter infrastructure and that and that little money in the league after the position that they were in, I think is an achievement in itself. Um because I just think with the lack of money that they've spent they have they have no right to be in the Premier League, but they keep managing to escape on teams that spend far, far, far more than them. Um and I think with Daesh, it's more that a nomination would be enough. Some, if, if it happens, just some appreciation to show, no, he's actually done a good job, but I can see the logic of the point that he put them in the mess in the first place. Um, I think especially, and I think Andy said this on our preview pod, if Arteta gets us fourth or third, he should get manager of the year because it's about Oh, it's almost about overachieving it's about the manager what manager has done the best job in their circumstance and i hate the fact that it goes to the champions every year with the money that man city have spent they should win every competition that's ever existed every single year they should somehow win the the spanish league as well <laughs> yeah you know um, that's both where we went with how good liverpool are yeah i know right connection mate uh liverpool with how good they are they should they should be challenging if not winning a league title so um i think the biggest overachievement and the biggest achievement by a manager would be arteta getting us into fourth or third if we finish in one of those two positions so i think that he should win it but like you say it will probably go to the champions
1: yeah it's 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 a really hard one I think I said last time it's there's so many factors that go into it, and I th- I think like I kind of take Louid's point that if you're cleaning up your own mess, like like if you had a shit start to the season, you somehow come back, like that's not that's not an achievement. That's you've just done what you should you have do done. Have you do have to look at the, the factors the... around that, though. Don't well, you? this this, this like, is, you is the thing. You have to this look the at thing. the fact that... So it's very hard because you have to take so much into account. How much money they spent? Yeah. Uh, the things that were affecting the club, you know. And if, if, like, if you just looked at final league position, who did the best compared to who expected it? That's the only metric we're going to look at. If like, you know, someone—I don't know—someone's say say like the Erickson thing happened in the Premier League, you would have to say that's going to affect a squad and affect. And if they come mid-table, a team that was expected to come mid-table came mid-table, and that had happened in their season you have to take that into account do you know what i mean in some way because it's so it, there's so many factors to take into it um i don't know who will go to i think probably what is going to happen though is it is going to be decided by narrative and i kind of also agree with Lewid that the chelsea thing may end up being like if chelsea have a strong end to the season they might have a kind of you know in very difficult circumstances they still finish no but mate like this kind of thing fucking boo hoo boo hoo no, Oh, I agree. I completely agree. But I, I just think that narrative could win out, and I think narrative is kind of the biggest thing in management. To be honest, um, mm. you know, you could make. I, I think Bruno Lars should be on the in the conversation, but because Wolves have kind of dropped away a little bit, he probably won't end up on the short. Well, he might end up on the shortlist, but he won't win it. So, um, yeah, I, it's it's very difficult to say. I, I know I'm biased. But I also think it should be taken into account how a team is playing compared to other teams relative to, you know, all, all that stuff we just discussed. And I think when you look at Arsenal and how we play, especially considering we've got the youngest team in the C- team team, what is a manager's job? A manager's job is to coach a team to be good. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So if you're if you're Spurs and you're shit to watch, like dog shit to watch and you somehow fluke sixth. That shouldn't be fair. Like you shouldn't like you have not managed well because you're not playing any type of good football. But then you could argue, or because you've got to that point. Do you know what I mean? So it's like how how do you define it? It's very hard. But I hope I hope good football is taken into account. But I doubt it will be. <laughs> uh Brad just looks quizzically at me. Uh at James Allison123 says the lead in fourth place suddenly doesn't, suddenly doesn't look as comfortable as it was. Suggesting Manchester United and Spurs both win their remaining games, bar us, we have to win the easier of the teams. I'm not sure this Arsenal side can cope with the pressure. What's your predictions for those games?
0: For what games?
1: United and Spurs.
0: Uh, I don't
1: think it matters because I think that they're both going to drop points.
0: As in, as in, I, I, like we, we have got so many games, like you're, you're not really telling me that United aren't going to win the rest of their games. Spurs haven't won two games in a row since December 26th. Or if they just won two games in a row for the first time since then. Yeah, they might have just like, that. they, they are, both teams are a car crash and both teams are absolutely going to drop points. So, what, are, what The situation that I want is just top four to be
1: sewn up. We don't play United for how many games? We've got winnable games for the next four games and then it's Chelsea and United. Um, Just looking at the fixture list now. If we
0: win all four of those games, we can lose to Chelsea easily because uh, who have United got in the next four
1: games? We've got Villa, Palace, Brighton and Southampton the next few games those are winnable. And then we've got the Chelsea United games as well as, and then away to West Ham, which could be a difficult fix, uh, run of fixtures. But I have a feeling that United's uh, run-in is not particularly easy. Um, they've
0: got Leicester, they've got Liverpool, they've got us, they've got Brighton, they've got Chelsea and they've got Palace. So yeah. like, and they've, they, I mean, they've also got like Brentford, Norwich, Everton, but they've, they've got difficult teams in their some, last games. Yeah. Yeah. I mean in terms I'm the of the same with Spurs, like I mean in terms of to what, the what's question, gonna happen is we're gonna end up playing Spurs last game of the season, but I just yeah. want top four to be sewn
1: up by then. I just want it for, to be done. For the narrative. Um they'll definitely stick that last game of the season, you're so right. Uh the what I would say is we're objectively better at football as a team than United and Spurs. That is what. So things may happen. We we may not. We may miss out on fourth. But I think it, there would have to be an in a big injury, a massive drop off in some some sense, kind of, a kind of extenuating circumstance out of our control. Because I can't imagine this Arsenal team playing against this United and Spurs team and doing anything but controlling the game and hopefully winning it, or, or controlling the game. And maybe getting edged out, but we'd win our other games. You know I mean, I, I I can't see over a and period of nine thing, games how how they would beat us out. I, d- I don't understand how that would happen.
0: United and Spurs are going to have to be lucky in a lot of their games to to take points to be good. Spurs lost to Burnley; like they're not a good side. Yeah, you know they've had they've had a few good results, definitely, but they're not a good side. The same with United; they're not that good at the moment. They if they beat us, okay. That shit and it will have an effect on the top four race. But they're still gonna fuck it up against someone stupid.
1: Yeah, and theoretically we should be seven points clear anyway from them at that point with our games in hand. So and you yep. know, obviously it's games in hand FC, but you feel as though you feel as though the next four are winnable and we're playing well. This is the thing, and and actually, you know, you might have off games, but this is the trend. Do you know what I mean? This is the trend that we, yeah. we're structurally set up perfectly so we might have off days you know saka had an off day today um but we we i think struck because of the structure that's not what i worry about that is exactly what i would worry about if i was a united fan we might get bailed out by a uh, ronaldo Hattrick one week but that's not the trend that's not the consistent um what is consistent is how fucking bad harry Maguire is jesus christ I know that I know it's kind of a joke and it's kind of a but he, like and I, I I also sometimes think it's a little bit harsh because I'm a bit like he's like a you know regular for England and he's 80 million and there's a bit of kind of pressure on him. But I did watch him in that game against um, Atletico last night and fuck me. Oh the my issue is god, is they've he's they've got
0: what they've got is a backs to the wall defender who should be camped on his box like that that 18 yard line and that's it and they've got him playing a high line they've got him trying to be Ben White or they've got him trying to be a progressive footballer and he's not that that's not what he's good at and so they they either need to stick him in a three so they can cover for it if they want to play that way or they just need to it's
1: it was just the wrong signing it was so it's so stupid but but that's the thing they have no transfer strategy because they have no idea what they're doing anyway I don't care I don't care Carry on for the next 10 years. Don't accept you need a rebuild under one specific direction. That is please, fine by me. Please get Pochettino by as well. Please. Yeah. Please get Pochettino. Get Pochettino.
0: Please. Sign a load Goodbye of irrelevant Harry players. Yep. Harry Kane.
1: Yeah. It won't work. Uh, by the way, Unai Emery's Villarreal beat Juventus 3-0 away tonight with three late goals and they're through to the Champions League. I love that. I love Unai. Not right for us. Yeah. But big fan of them,
0: and it's 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 very. I'm very very happy that I'll never understand
1: Vlahovic's decision to go to Juventus. It's just the biggest waste of time. Uh, it'll come to us. Syria is the biggest watch. waste of time. You watch in the summer, you will be like, oh, I, mean, I I wish, I wish, um, we'll be pining pining over Mikel's tricky Reds. You said predicted on time that we would lose two nil, so fair play to you. And I said we'd lose three one. Bradley, we've just got time. For a little bit of Arsenal trivia. Sirens going on your end. Uh, the theme last time out was Woolwich Arsenal. And I asked you, what year did we reach the First Division as Woolwich Arsenal? 1886, 1904, or 1914? And we have not left the First Division since.
0: 1914.
1: We were at war, babes. So no, wouldn't have been that, would it? 1904. That was the year. Uh, And Bradley gave me, off pod, a theme for next week or this week. And it's assistant managers. And the question for this week is, what nationality is Pat Rice? I didn't know this. What nationality is Pat Rice? And a theme for next week, please, Bramley Apples. I know this. Uh, A theme for next week is going to be Highbury Stadium. Highbury Stadium. We'll finish as we always do now. With a quote from the Little Book of Arsenal. We've had a lot of good times, but you don't know how good they are until you have the bad ones. Tony Adams. Genius. Some of those quotes are better than others. <laughs> <laughs> that was printed on an actual page in an actual book. Someone thought, that's a good quote. Uh, right, Bramley, I think it's time for us to have some neurofen and head to sleep. Yeah, I'm going straight to bed. Oh, darling. Is the podcasting getting to you? I'm just ill. <laughs> Horrendously. I feel like I'm overworking you. Maybe I should increase your pay from handsome. zero pounds to 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 a penny. <laughs> a penny, a penny per podcast. I could pay you that. I could pay you a penny a podcast if you want. Don't worry, buddy. Don't worry. I'm happy to do it for free.
0: It's a privilege. Thank you, uh, guys. Yeah, it, like uh, to get a bit to get a bit like surrealist or whatever. Thank you for allowing us to do this and to listening to us waffle on. Like this is a privilege, and we're very we're very grateful. You guys are amazing.
1: We are very yeah, and and hey, different knock is growing, man. Yeah, we got three thousand downloads last month. Wow, it's pretty mad that that's mental. It's pretty cool. It's pretty sick. Pretty cool. <laughs> uh, maybe more because it was it was like it hadn't counted at that point. Anyway, about three thousand. Uh, thanks. Anyway, you guys are all legends. Uh, please drop us a review. Uh, please send Bradley some hate mail. And thanks so much for listening keep it different knock and we will see you lay thank you so much for listening to the different knock podcast please hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you're using If you'd like to support the show, you can find us on Patreon and BuyMeACoffee.com, find us on Twitter at DiffKnock, and visit our website, thedifferentknock.com. Thanks. Podcast Network.